we'll continue in our study of the Gospel of John this morning. Chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down. About 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come, take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, this passage of the 5,000, this, this miracle of the 5,000, is the only miracle other than the resurrection that is repeated in the four, each of the four Gospels. Very important, very, of course, miraculous. And what I thought we'd do is not read each account, but let me read Mark chapter 6 to you, that account. That will just help fill in. Remember, John in his writing is not just repeating what the other gospel writers have written. He's filling in what's already been told. There's some repetition in it, but he's also filling in some of the gaps. But Mark will have a similar account, but we see a different flavor to it. Mark chapter 6, verse 30, verse 30 through 44. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
and he began to teach them many things. And when he grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So, Father, as we've, we've asked that you would take this, this inspired word, shape us, help us to understand, help us to see more of our life in it, and understand more of who you are and your call on our life as well. And how mighty and powerful, wonderful, beautiful you are, Jesus. Help us to see all those things. Amen. So Mark helps us to, to find out some flavor to this. Jesus had sent these disciples out on a preaching and, and miracle working uh, tour that they were on. They had been very busy and they came back and they were all tired. The disciples were tired. Jesus is tired. Fatigued from the ministry. It says a lot of people were coming. Coming and going. And in Mark it says, and they had no leisure even to eat. So Jesus is going, uh, taking his disciples from one side of the Sea of Galilee, the west side, taking them to the east side uh, to get some rest. And so that he can teach them and, and be with them and, and kind of hear from them on what happened on their journey out as they were sharing the message of the kingdom and uh, doing miracles that were confirming their message and their authenticities as, as messengers of, of Christ, of the, of the Messiah. This, you, you may remember that this area is in northern, what we call Israel today. There uh, is Judah to the south, Israel to the, to, to the north. But if we break that down a little bit, we see Samaria, Samaria on the overhead, on the, on the slide, where Jesus had spoken to the woman at the well. He's moved on up into Galilee. In Jerusalem, but at least by the religious leaders, Jesus isn't very highly thought of. They're, they, they're angered at him. They want to do something to Jesus silence Jesus and the time is not yet for that final confrontation so Jesus is moving to Samaria and then to Galilee and doing uh, ministry there now John says in verse 1 that uh, Jesus went to the other side of the, the sea of Galilee but he, he, he says those first two words in, in chapter 6 verse 1 after this well, of course, after this is after what happened in chapter 5. And if you're looking at your Bibles, chapter 5, there are those beginning verses. Verse 1, 
there was a feast that was happening. We've already gone through this in past weeks. Uh, and it, John doesn't identify what the feast is. So it could have been the Feast of Tabernacles, which would have been in October, about, about October, the fall of the year, what we consider the fall of the year. It could have been Passover. The word Passover is mentioned three times that specific festival in the Gospel of John. We'll see it mentioned again here. It's mentioned right here in chapter 6, but towards the, uh, the end of John's Gospel, we'll, we'll see that mentioned again. So after this, it's at least after six months had transpired between that, that festival in chapter 5, we see, or it could have been a whole year. But the point is that a lot of ministry has taken place with Jesus and his disciples that John doesn't go into. The, the other gospel writers do. Matthew, Mark, Luke, from their different perspectives, they go on and on. Matthew go on and on about all of the ministry that's happening in that region up there in, in Galilee. But John only selects these events that are accomplishing his evangelistic purpose. But they're there at the, the northern region there of Galilee. Now when we look at the, the, the sea itself, it's also called the Sea of Tiberias. In verse 1, John refers to it to the Sea of Tiberias. Tiberias was a Caesar, and the sea was named after that Caesar out of uh, some kind of respect. So it's also known as the Sea of Tiberias, but the Sea of Galilee. And uh, over there, uh, south, or yeah, south, uh, below what we see on the map there, Bethsaida, is where Jesus is taking these, uh, these disciples. What we know of today as the Golan Heights in modern day Israel. He's taking them there and then there's this back and forth across the sea, Capernaum, that you see there on the, uh, the map and uh, Tiberias as well. So this is the geography and, and it's the, the setting. All of this activity going on, Jesus is looking, Jesus is omniscient, of course, he knows what's happening with the crowd. But he's taking the, the disciples to a place where they can have some time and talk about, about their ministries. Well, the crowds, when they go across on this boat, the crowds follow along on the, the north side of the lake. And they can go around, follow around all the way. So by the time they get to the other side, the crowds are already there. And so, it's interesting, I think, when we read in Mark, one of the reasons I brought it to you the, this morning, is that we, we hear that well-known, well-heard verse in verse 34 of Mark chapter 6. When he went ashore and saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Sometimes we stop right there. In compassion because they were like sheep without a, a shepherd. But... The verse continues on, and he began to teach them many things. So the, the, the picture is of Jesus seeing these people that are not, don't have the spiritual direction that they have and that they need in their life. He sees them as, as sheep, lost sheep, without a shepherd. And it says he sits down, or he sits there, we see that he did sit down, but he began to teach them many things. How important it is for the disciples of Jesus Christ to be taught. They're taught something. 
And we see the miracle, and that captures our attention, the, the loaves and the fish. And by the way, those loaves are more like biscuits. We, we even think it's big biscuits. Not, you know, it's not a loaf of French bread from Safeway. <laughs> a little small biscuit and, and some pickled fish, some kind of a snack this boy has. Perhaps his mother packaged it for him for his lunch, whatever. He, he's got it there. But Jesus teaches the crowd as they come and they follow and the, the very, very importance that Jesus places on teaching. So, so important. Now, John mentions it's the Passover. So, this Passover, of course, as you know, is very, very, very important. And there's a lot of heightened expectation. Maybe the Messiah would come in this season. A lot of religious fervor. A lot of pilgrims going passing on that east side of the, the, the lake. A lot of them going to Jerusalem for this specific festival. In, we've seen in past messages, if you go back to Deuteronomy 18, the, the, the Lord tells Moses that God tells Moses that in one day there will be someone like Moses that comes. People are wondering, they're, they're, they're anticipating, could it possibly be this one? Could this be the one that had been prophesied about that would come and be the one like Moses? Could this be, be that one? There's this anticipation because he's done all these miracles, all of this power that Jesus has on display. So could it be him? So Moses was this great provider. And he was a rescuer. He was a deliverer. You remember the, it coming out of the land of Egypt. But you, you remember when they're in the wilderness that God provides quail and God provides bread from heaven. And Jesus comes along and these people are hungry. It's late in the day. Jesus provides food for them. He provides bread. In a couple of weeks, we'll see in the second half of chapter 6, it's a long chapter, and some of the most important passages in this Bible, in, in, in this gospel, are in chapter 6. Jesus declaring that He is the bread of heaven. God has sent bread to these people, and Jesus is the bread. But here, John begins this chapter by Jesus multiplying this food, providing this food, and feeding this people. They're able to sit down and they're, they're able to be on this green grass, this beautiful place that they can sit down. And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And in that psalm, that shepherd satisfies. We read in this miracle that these people were satisfied. So there's this anticipation. There's this buildup. And so far, we've already seen 
through the, the first five chapters that Jesus is known and seen and he's displaying himself as the source of life itself. He's the, he's the source of daily provision right here, providing food. He's, he's the source of spiritual renewal, spiritual life, Nicodemus. Being born again will come only through Jesus. Jesus is the source of living water, the woman at the well. Jesus is the, the source of, of healing, the, the, the man at the pool. Jesus is the one who provides life, the nobleman or the official's son who is knocking at death's door. Jesus is the source. Oh, John's pre presenting this. Jesus is presenting himself as the source of all of these things. And the people have heard, the crowds are coming. They're following all the way around to see and hear from Jesus. And he sits down to teach them. But as we'll find at the end of chapter 6, a lot of these people will turn and go away. Because Jesus, he has a he, he provides healing and it's miraculous and it's exciting and it's spectacular what's going on. No one has seen anything like it before. Unique individual, but, but his message is one of repentance. Taking up our cross and following him. It, it's, it's a message of sacrifice for God. It's a message of being broken. Finding healing there in Jesus Christ. It's a, it's, a, it's a message that you'll need to endure tribulation. And the folks really just don't like that kind of a message. <laughs> they just assume to stay with the spectacular and not that. So later in this chapter, we'll see that they're falling away. But the power of Jesus and the compassion of Jesus is seen right here with this crowd and their deep, deep need. As the disciples have identified, they have a need to eat. Now the disciples are interesting in themselves because what's their solution? That Jesus, send them away. Go, go somewhere else. Go, go to town. It's time they need to eat. Jesus doesn't send them away. They, 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 we don't have enough money. <laughs> that, by the way, that, that amount that is, is, is mentioned there is really equivalent to eight months wages. So you bring that into current, current day. Eight, eight months of a wage of a, a laborer a daily wage of a laborer. Even that, eight months, that's not enough to pro all of these people, the, the scriptures say 5,000 men, and it's interesting the numbers that uh, you see anywhere from 10,000 people all the way to 25,000 people. But the idea is that 5,000 men is mentioned there, but then many, uh, if not most of them would have been married and many if not most had children so by the time you had women and children 
15, 20, 25, a lot of people. <laughs> Were there more than they could send them away. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources. We, do, we just do not have enough to deal with this. And so in that moment, that is where Jesus shows his compassion and he shows his power. You ever feel like you're just not enough? I just don't have enough for what it takes today. That is the place where Jesus shows his power and his compassion in that kind of a place. And his foot put on full display for us. Now we don't want to lose the idea here what John is doing. The main theme is that Jesus is God's Messiah. And all of these things including all of this miracle with food. This ought to prove to you what more proof do you need human beings, human prophets, the prophets of old, they don't do these kind of things, this large-scale miracles, and as many of them over and over and over. He is utterly different. He should be worshipped. Only God does this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word you know the passage. How John starts out his gospel. So that's what John's overarching theme is. But as we go through these passages, we can pick out some nuggets and see some interesting things. And this is one of those. That in your moment, in your moment of need, in, in your moment when you feel weak, when, when we feel like we can't do it, we can't take another step, that's the moment. Jesus shows up. Jesus has compassion. He has, uh, shows his, uh, his power to work in that situation for His people in unexpected ways for sure. Unexpected ways, no doubt about it. Jesus enables these disciples to take part in what He's doing. He can just do this all himself. He can just give you know, a five-course meal out here for everyone. But He, he, he doesn't do that. He, he does it in a different way. He allows the disciples to be part of his feeding this, this group. As we look at these, the, the, the account in each of the Gospels, we see that Jesus included the disciples in the feeding. He fed them, of course. It was him that fed them. And he could have just miraculously had food appear to each person, all that they were wanted, but it's the disciples that are involved in distributing these things. So Jesus enables these, these disciples to take part in what seems to be a very impossible task. He allows us to take part in what seems to be an impossible task. Now, he comes and shows his power and he shows his compassion. And in your listening guide, I included the phrase there, when the aim of the task is part of his divine will. It, it's, it's not that he's going to allow us to participate in some kind of a thing or empower us or show us our compassion in a, deal, in a, in a situation when it's against his will. Go ahead in our own sinfulness and go ahead and do it anyway. But Jesus is showing up and he's enabling disciples to work when that activity 
when that work is part of His divine will, part of His, his purpose, part of His plan, what can we say? How can we summarize? We could go a long time today or in future days on the will of God, the will of Jesus, but we could summarize it this way. The will of God is to make it crystal clear to everyone that we know that Jesus is the highest value in your life. Your life revolves around Jesus. Your job, your education, your relationships in your family, your church, your preaching, all that we do, it revolves around Jesus being supreme. No matter what else might be happening, whatever pressures you have, whatever things come into your, the, the most important thing, the aim, the purpose of Jesus is in your trial, in your situation, in wherever God has placed you, in that, that God, Jesus is the greatest value in our life. He's going to pull me through, not just a rhetorical, yeah, he's God. No, I'm depending upon him. He's going to pull me through in that. Jesus, will you show up? These people are hungry in that. He shows compassion. He shows his, his power to fulfill that, that need. Our passion. To make Him displayed to everyone. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need disciples. He doesn't need Christians to do that. He can do it Himself. He's given lots of proofs already. But He allows us to be part of that. And to declare to everyone that we surrender to Him because He's greater than everything else. Well, this... This situation that the disciples find themselves is really it's it's overwhelming. And even though it's overwhelming to the disciples, it's no reason for them to ignore it. As I say, they'd like to send people away and like the excuse we don't have enough money. And and see, that seems rational that they would say that on the one hand. But they've been on a preaching tour and they've been performing miracles. They've been enabled to perform miracles themselves. And they've been, as I, as I said, there's a lot of ministry that's taken place. Matthew, Mark, Luke described. John doesn't go into that in, in this. That's not his purpose here, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. He's all of this has happened. They've seen Jesus. And, and instead, instead of saying, well, Jesus, wow, you're from God. You're the miracle worker. Could you just provide the food? And it, it, it says here that Jesus said that because he was, verse 6, he said this to test him, to test Philip, test him what he would do. Jesus knew what he was going to do. But you would kind of think that they might say, well, <laughs> we've seen you do some pretty amazing things. Can you, can, can you just supply the food yourself? That'd be a good idea. But they don't seem to come up with that idea. And they, they, they want to send the people away or, or claim they, they, don't, they don't have enough. It seems overwhelming, but overwhelming to them. See, you may have something in your life. We may have something in our life as Christian believers that seems overwhelming. And be, it, it might be tempting to ignore it or 
turn away from it. We just, we just don't. We can't do it. <laughs> Jesus doesn't let his disciples do that. He doesn't let them turn away. He, he draws them in, pulls them in to participating in doing something that is, uh, that is far beyond anything they could have expected. So, this Christ-exalting ministry, that's what this does, this multiplying these loaves and fish, it's a, it's a Christ-exalting ministry. But did you notice how, how much that they took with them? They've got these barley loaves. And by the way, barley is an indicator of poverty. That, that's not the premier uh, it's not sourdough, if you like sourdough. It, it, it's cheap. It's cheap bread, barley. That's why the, the word is made that kind of bread, not wheat. Barley. So they have these barley loaves. It, it, it just seems like there ought to be something more, some other kind of grain, but barley was identified and marked out. But did you see what they're left over with? And there's a lot of conjecture, a lot of discussion on what does the 12 mean? 12 tribes, 12 apostles, but each one of them, whatever the 12 is, it, they each have a basket. They have a lot left over. <laughs> they, everyone who ate was satisfied, but the disciples themselves, they have abundance themselves. Now, we shouldn't take out of this that we somehow, in a kind of prosperity message, kind of a way that we're going to obligate God to some kind of material to, uh, wealth or material well-being, and somehow He's going to, to, to be obligated to us to perform that, that kind of thing. No. But as many of you know, in your service, in your action, in your, your work that you do to raise up Christ as exalted in your life, you become more blessed, it seems, you become more blessed than the, than the people listening. We, we, we probably have an example of that just to read recently with Truman and Tim when they came. I haven't interviewed them on this, but with their messages, they, they might very well say, they don't know how you might have been blessed by their, their messages, but very likely they would be thinking they were blessed more than you possibly ever could be because they dug in and they were deep and they were prepared in their, their message and it brings blessing. Preparing for a lesson, for a, a class on, on Sunday morning, blessed beyond on measure. Going out and helping people in a disaster zone, fire, raging fire, helping them, blessed. It seems like, they certainly are blessed, but it seems like being blessed more than that, than they would be. We have that kind of experience and we, we see that picture here. These disciples were blessed with, with a, a kind of an abundance that they never anticipated, they never expected. Now, there's in verse 9, <laughs> there's this boy. And the boy doesn't seem to get much attention in, in uh, Bible studies on this, this passage and in the commentaries doesn't seem to get much 
attention. But I think it's very interesting. Verse 9, there, there is a boy, this is the response, there's a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. And as I mentioned, they're not the big fillet of fish, they're just pickle. It's a snack, we would say a snack fish. Piece. But he's there. This, this boy is there. And somehow he's gotten up close to Jesus. And close enough that the disciples can say, well, hey, we've got, we've got some loaves. We've got these five loaves. We've got these, these fish, Jesus. And so he's right there. And he's interested in the things of Jesus. Now, what would have happened if this boy had just stayed over around Capernaum over there with his slingshot and just had a good old day skipping rocks across the water and all the crowds. He, he wouldn't be mentioned in Scripture. He, he wouldn't have been used by Jesus. He wouldn't have been called out by the disciples. He's there. John mentions him for some reason. There is a boy. He could have just said, well, we have five barley loaves and two fish. But John specifically says, there's this boy. He's there. He's interested in the things of God. He's nearby. He's available. So many times we want God to work in our life and we're not either available, we're, we're, we're not close to Jesus, we're really, really not interested. Well, there's probably some, someone listening to this message at some point who's not really interested in Jesus but would really like for Him to show up. And it doesn't work that way. Really interested, being club, drawing closer and closer to Jesus. And what happens? Jesus uses what the, the meager supply that the boy has. I just think it's amazing he's called out by the Apostle John. He has this, these barley loaves, biscuits. He has these little, little pieces of bread. He has a little snack. And he's the one they call on. Now, there are probably others in the crowd this size that had lunch with them. Maybe not. It's not mentioned. Scripture doesn't say. But they probably had something to eat. Maybe. It doesn't say that any of them offered it. He didn't keep it. That boy didn't keep it for himself. Saying, no, 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 no. Now, if I give this to you, uh, or my name, I won't have anything. And mom put this together for me for the day, and I'm not going to have any. If I give it to you, I may be a boy, but I know enough not to give my food away. But he wasn't, he wasn't like that. He was available. He was interested. And he had gotten himself close to Jesus. Well, Jesus unexpectedly uses this boy. That, remember the nobleman's son, the official's son, the healing that took place a long ways away. Didn't need an intermediary, of course. Long ways away. He's got these disciples, his, his close group of disciples, Simon Peter's there, Andrew, Philip, he's got others he could have pressed in on with this. But here's Jesus working once again in a most unexpected and dramatic 
way. He, he works in this way and this boy is willing and he is unselfish about his own. He's willing to give it up for the sake of Jesus, for the purpose of Jesus. He can give it up for the, the purposes of Jesus and whatever he's going to do. He surely never expected this, feeding all of these people. But he surrendered to Jesus what he what he had. That was really life, really, for that day was his, his life, surrendering his food. We are called, disciples are called to surrender our lives, all of our lives, to Jesus Christ. Surrendering to him. Things that we want to hold on to. I had a conversation just yesterday with a, a friend of mine back in Kansas talking about a light touch on the things of the world. A light touch. Can't surrender things that we're holding on to real tight. Gotta have a light touch on, on if we're, we're going to hold on to those loaves and those fishes for our satisfaction. Why? Hard to see how that would be used. Jesus can use anything, of course. Willing to surrender for the purposes of Jesus, for, for reaching people with His message, announcing the goodness of God, and reaching people through our lives, through our conversations, personal conversations, through our lives, as we think about so often through the Gospels and in this church, but through our lives, that that, 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 that person's different. That that group of people, they're different. They're not like the, the rest of the world. There's something different. There's something different about that boy. He was, he was there and he was available and he, he was willing to surrender what he had. Give it, give it what he had. He didn't have much, but he was able and willing to give what he had to the Lord. So here we have the 5,000. Each of the gospel writers mentions this. Big miracles. Lots of witnesses. One final thought. If this hadn't have been true, there were a lot of people. 10, 15, 20, Maybe 25,000 people hearing the teaching of Jesus, seeing this miracle, there would have been plenty of opportunity for people to say, no, 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 I was there. That didn't happen. We don't find that anywhere. Powerful message of John putting us on notice that this one once again, telling us this one, this Jesus is different. He's unique. He's the Messiah. He is the one the Old Testament pointed to, and He's proving it right in front of your very eyes. Next week, we'll see some more about the power and passion of Jesus. Let's pray.